Piper John. We're going to jump right in, okay? Okay, sounds great. Okay, wonderful. So I'm just going to play the music for a couple of seconds, and we're going to jump right in. Okay, sure. Sounds great. Matches Talk Radio, a monthly holistic lifestyle show focused on the continual evolution into the best versions of our authentic selves. We and our guests discuss relationships and health and wellness, each of which contributes to meaningful and fulfilling lives. This is Jess Bina, your host. I'm a former practicing lawyer and the founder of Intersections Match, the only elite national personalized matchmaking company focused on singles of South Asian descent nationwide in the country. I'm very excited to welcome Parijat Deshpande to our show tonight. Parijat is a psychology lecturer at UC Berkeley and a mental health consultant who has counseled children, families, couples, groups, adults, and teenagers from a wide range of cultural backgrounds. 
As the founder and executive director of a South Asian mental health nonprofit called My Sahana, she is mobilizing South Asians to educate themselves about mental health, thereby empowering them to make informed decisions and choices with respect to their emotional lives. I had the pleasure of meeting Parijath a couple months ago when we both spoke at a seminar for South Asians on communication within relationships. I'm very excited to welcome Parijath here tonight. Welcome, Parijath. Thanks so much. It's great to talk to you again, Jaspina. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you on. As an, and as a professional dating coach and matchmaker focused on singles of South Asian descent, I'm fascinated by insights and perspectives regarding relationships looked at a cultural lens. And since your organization, My Sahana, likewise focuses on South Asians, I'd love to explore some of the insights you've encountered, both to increase awareness among singles who are interested in meeting prospective life partners as well as people in relationships who'd love to further improve the connection they share with their partners. So, Parichat, what are the demographics of the people who typically seek My Sahana services with respect to marital issues in particular? So, uh, marital is- issues are one of the many things that My Sahana addresses, and it's actually one of the most common inquiries that we get. And we seem to get um, these questions and increase from people who are around like the 20, 25 to 35 year old range where they're trying to settle down, they're trying to find somebody, they're kind of just barely entering into a committed relationship or just barely married. And then we also get a lot of inquiries from people who are in the 50 to 60 year old range who have been married for a long time and, you know, are maybe their children have just moved out or they're getting married now and they're kind of reevaluating where their marriage is at this point in life. Oh, great. So you have a perspective from that wide, um, you know, wide range, which is, I think that's yeah. very helpful. Okay. Well, now, in preparation for this interview, I'd ask Pari just beforehand to share with me some of the most common issues that my Sahana encounters with respect to marital issues. And I'd like to share with our listeners a few of the issues Parijath identified one by one, and then ask Parijath to share with our listeners some of the best ways to resolve each of these issues. So the first issue I'd like to ask Parijath to address is, why did my partner change after we got married? So that's one that we actually get really often from the 50 to 60-year-old um men and women, mostly women, but both men and women have contacted us. And, you know, it's people change. Everybody changes. And if you notice that your partner has changed, you can pretty well be sure that you've changed as well with all kinds of life events that happen. And just by getting older, we all tend to shift who we are as people. So I think any time in life, just overall, whether you just started dating somebody or you've been married a few years or you've been married for numerous decades, it's always a great idea to check in with each other to see, you know, how how do you feel about things and what are your opinions about things and just make sure that you're always on the same page because we're all evolving all the time. Okay, and I think that was a great point um, you made in terms of if you if you believe your partner has changed, the chances are you have as well, which mm-hmm. is like natural over the years, regardless in the life events. Now, the second issue I'd love you to address for our listeners is how do we talk about sensitive topics like money, sex, children, and religion without fighting? Oh yeah, absolutely. So there are so many hot button topics in every single relationship that come up where it just hits 
a nerve or it's just really hard to talk about because you feel so passionately about it, it happens to everyone, first of all. So um, if you're going through it, it, just know that it's not just you. And, you know, the easiest way to do that I found and what I help people learn how to do is um, to, to identify, first of all, what this topic is, whether, like you mentioned, whether it's money or it's sex or it's children or religion or anything else for that matter, identify what that specific point of contention is, and then understand and know and be okay with the fact that you're not going to find a solution right away. And so prepare yourself for having it be a slow discussion, because the slower it goes, the less likely it's going to build up and turn into this firestorm of fighting, which is usually where you get deadlocked and you don't really make much progress at that point. So make sure you understand that it's going to take a little bit of time and then sit down with your partner at a time that's convenient for both of you and say, okay, look, this is an issue that we have to resolve and take turns, which is really, really important. So one of you should sit down at that point and say, okay, this is how I feel about it. And don't go into solution uh, mode yet. Just talk about what your perspective is just so that your partner can understand where you're coming from. And then you switch sides and the other person takes a turn. That might be in the same conversation. It might have to be on a different day when it's easier for each of you to listen to each other. But the most important thing is that you completely understand where the other person is coming from. You don't have to agree with it, but if you understand it, you can empathize with them. You can understand why they might feel the way that they do. And that comes, that results in having compassion for each other. And when that happens, then you're going to be looking at this this obstacle as a team as opposed to opponents trying to change each other or trying to prove that you're right. And when you're looking at it as a team, then that is when you're going to find the most successful opportunities to come up with a compromise that's going to suit both of your needs. Great. Okay, so before, don't short circuit and just kind of try to jump to that resolution problem solving, but Mm -hmm. really... Um, help each other to understand, and you know, once and once both people feel understood, you know, that will likely likely kind of put out any fires to begin with, and really put each other in a mindset to problem solve effectively. It sounds like um, exactly, yeah, exactly. You're and you want to know, you want to remind each other that you're partners, and so you're teammates. You're not actually going against each other. It's the two of you together trying to figure out how to have this life that you both want. So having that, letting that be a slow process is the best way to do it. It's really easy to want to problem solve right away, and we all have those tendencies, but try to fight that as much as you can and have this discussion first. Excellent. Okay, now the third issue um, is, now this is, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing you answer. Now, the third mm-hmm. issue is why did we get a divorce? And actually, let me let me actually put a – I'm going to put one more question on top of that kind of compound mm-hmm. question, and that's I'm wondering if you've noticed any you know, recurring patterns in relationships that do culminate in divorce. So just kind of a two-step, uh, two-step question there. Certainly. So um, the first part, why do we get a divorce, there are so many reasons why people get divorces, and it's really hard to identify – specifically what's happened in a in a relationship but then to speak to your second question i think which is a more general statement which is that there are certain patterns that do occur um, in many relationships that can lead to a divorce and i would like to just make a point at this this point that divorce isn't 
just a legal separation or a legal ending of a marriage, but a lot of South Asians actually live parallel lives, which kind of turn them into roommates. And essentially, that's kind of a divorce without calling it legally so. So I would say that, you know, the patterns that I'll be mentioning in just a second can be present in people who are still legally married but no longer have that loving, connected relationship that um, you would imagine in a marriage, but instead that you see with most divorced couples. Um, With that said, I think a lot of the patterns tend to be, that I've seen at least through my work with South Asians and through my Sahana, are that um, there's a lot of people who don't talk about these hot-button topics ahead of time, and they assume that because my partner is also South Asian, they must have the same values as me. And so there's a lot of this assumption and not too much of this, let's put everything on the table. And then what, what happens from there is those assumptions turn into expectations that then your partner may not necessarily meet. And from there, we start seeing a lot of arguments turn into really nasty fighting and you know turn there's this pattern um called the four horsemen that john gottman came up with he's a clinical psychologist who works with couples and you see this really common problem and arguments of one of the couple one of the partners criticizes and then the other person feels really upset about it and so they'll show a lot of contempt which then makes the first partner feel really defensive and then makes the second partner just check out and not want to be a part of this anymore. And this pattern happens over and over and over to the point where neither one of them are really seeing each other as a partner anymore, but instead are just seeing them almost like an enemy and wanting to just fight and get their point across. And so at that point, sometimes people get divorces and for other couples, they get to that point, then they just stop caring. And they say, you know what, I just, I don't even have the energy to fight anymore. And that is really common in a lot of South Asian marriages where they'll stay together legally, but that love, that passion, that intimacy that's part of a marriage is no longer there. Well, you are. So you were mentioned in terms of these parallel lives and how, um, you know, it, from what I'm understanding, you tend to see it maybe even more so in, um, you know, South Asian couples, maybe possibly more so than, than other um, other people. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering, counsel, since you've counseled couples for a wide range of cultural backgrounds, and, you know, it sounds like that might be one of them, but I'm wondering if you've noticed any other marital issues that, Without overgeneralizing, that, that just tend to be more common to South Asians than non-South Asians. Anything else? Um, you know, there a lot of them are very common amongst all cultures. You know, t- a lot of difficulties talking about sex, about money, about um, religion, and how to raise your children are very, very common in all cultures. I do see more often that South Asians can come in with more family-related issues, even if they're coming in as a couple. And that can include how, knowing how to, having difficulties knowing how to raise children or also you know, dealing with in-laws and siblings and things like that, where there's just a lot of family dynamic stuff that seems to affect the couple. And it's at that point that they tend to seek um, counseling or educational services through my Sahana. Interesting. So family dynamics tends to be one. Mm-hmm. Now, 
Now, this is, I'm wondering if you tend to, you know, you you had mentioned how you work with, my son um, sees people anywhere from their 20s, 25, the early stages to 50s, 60s, you know. I'm wondering if you see different issues in couples who had, you know, quote, arranged marriages versus couples and, you know, quote, love marriages. Any any different issues or patterns you see with one vis-a-vis the other? You know, um, I don't think so. I haven't actually seen very many differences. I think they present themselves a little bit differently, but the underlying issues are actually very similar. So for those uh, couples who did not have arranged marriages, a lot of these issues tend to come up prior to marriage. And so what what I've seen actually as a counselor is that um, when I was counseling couples is that those couples don't have that necessarily that foundation or that, knowing that they can rely on a marriage to be able to work things through. And so sometimes they'll be really anxious about where is this relationship going, whereas with an arranged marriage, these these issues are coming up after they are legally married. And so there isn't this question of where is my partner going to go, but really underlying it all, it's very, very similar um, in terms of anxieties about feeling accepted, feeling good enough, um, lots of communication, how do I express myself to my partner, how do I make them understand uh, when it, with regards to any type of issue, those kinds of things come up pretty often for both sets of couples I've seen. Okay. Now, um, some do you tend to see different issues in couples where, let's say, one person was born and raised in, in the U.S., and the other abroad, possibly India and any South Asian mm-hmm. co- um, country, Versus both people being from the same country, being born and raised mm-hmm. in the same country, any any issues that any anything you've noticed in terms of patterns along those lines, or yeah, you know, I, I have noticed something, and it it was actually surprising what I noticed. The couples where one person or both people were from different countries okay. um, were better at talking about their differences early on whereas people who are both from the same place mm-hmm. tended to, they seem to uh, assume that the other person is much more similar to them than they actually are. And so those conversations about, you know, what do you feel about traditions? How do you feel about raising children? How do you feel about spending money? Those kinds of things happened much later. Um, from my experience working with couples and also from what the inquiries we get from my sahana's that seems to be what's going on, which was really surprising to me, but um, seems to be the trend that we're seeing. That is that is that is very interesting, actually. Yeah. Um, the assumptions. Now, do you have any thoughts based on your experience as a counselor with respect to how to assess compatibility before you know making that commitment before entering marriage? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, the best way to do that first from what from my experience I've noticed is the more self-aware that you are, the better you're going to be at choosing the person that's right for you. So, for example, you know, you may think that you are very social and very extroverted and you may believe that you are like that, but 
then you attract somebody that is also like that, but it doesn't really suit your personality. Whereas if you step back and think, you know, I'm actually kind of on the shyer side and it's okay that that's the way that it is, the more that you accept things about yourself, the more you're going to be open to seeing somebody that is um, much better match for you. Ah, okay. So, um, so raising your own self-awareness, so you have clarity on who you'd be compatible with. So kind of peeling back your own onion, all la- your own layers of your own onion, per se, and just really getting... Yeah. Okay. Now, Absolutely. Based your, now, based on your experience, what recommendations um, would you make to, let's say, a single South Asian woman seeking, seeking their life partner? So very generally speaking, um, South Asian women in general... Um, I don't know, you know, what any recommendations you would make if they're kind of at a point where they're ready to meet someone and just from your kind of um, experience working with people who have made that commitment and then seeing the issues later on, any any thoughts in that regard? Or? Well, you know, I think uh, just as I said, start with trying to figure out, first of all, what it is that you're looking for and why. And okay. Really question, you know, why is it that you're looking for a relationship at this time? I know that we actually come across a lot of people, men and women in the 25 to 35 range who are still single, who are looking for a partner. But then when we really sit down and try to figure out why, it looks like, you know, they're they're feeling pressure, that they think that's what they're supposed to be doing. And so you want to make sure that when you're looking for a partner, it's because you genuinely want to. And at that point, you know, spend some time and really get to think, thinking about what it is that you want, what, what are the values that are important to you, what are your beliefs that you would like to see in your partner, what are things you're able to compromise on. And the, the better picture that you have about yourself and what you would like your, your life to look like and what you're willing to compromise on and not compromise on, it really, you, you turn into a magnet of the right type of people for yourself. So that self-awareness, again, just having mm-hmm. clear on your self-awareness. Yeah, I really appreciate you sharing your insights with this uh, page out. They've been very interesting. I'm wondering if there's any last thought or take-home message that you'd like to leave our listeners with. Well, you know, I started my Sahana. It's an education nonprofit, and I really do believe in that, that if you're looking for a partner, if you're looking to improve your relationship, if you're wanting to know why something happened the way that it did, the best place to start is to educate yourself and to learn about yourself and your partner and your relationship and try to figure out where you are, who you are, who your partner is. And from there, the solutions and the compromises that will need to be made will come much more easily. Excellent. Now, um, would you like to share your website with our listeners just so they know where to go to find uh, oh, sure. my Sahana? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. My Sahana, you can uh, visit us on the website at www.mysahana.org. We're also on Facebook and we're also on Twitter, so you can follow us in a n- numerous different ways. Wonderful. Okay, so all the social media avenues. <laughs> so I'd like to thank Jeff for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. And. In case you joined us late or would like to share the show with people in your life, 
I'd like to remind you that today's radio show will be archived and available as a podcast on Intersections Match's website, which is www.intersectionsmatch.com, and I can be reached justine at intersectionsmatch.com. Appreciate your hanging out with us, and do email me with topics you'd like discussed in future shows. And make sure to join us for next month's show. Good night, everyone.